Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this day that you have made for us to rejoice and be glad. Thank you that we're now July 19th, 2015, halfway, uh, halfway past this year, Lord. And we know that the days are passing fast, the weeks are faster, the months are faster, the years are passing us by, and we desire to hear from you, we desire to know you, we desire to be ready and to take, uh, uh, take your instruction serious and allow us, O oh Lord, to see God and to see his hand in our generation and to be able to have clarity and certainty and authenticity in our worship and in our fulfilling your desire for our lives, our marriages, our families. We rebuke Satan and all his schemes to bring disobedience into our hearts, to bring rebellion, to bring adversity and conflict where you have established your peace, your righteousness, and your joy. We pray that your word would be a lamp into our feet and we present ourselves transparently in your presence, O oh God, that we would bear our hearts to be known by you and that we would walk in such a manner that you would be glorified, that you would be exalted and magnified upon the earth. We thank you for Jesus Christ, head over his church. We thank you for the church, which is the prevailing the victorious and triumphing body of those that are connected to Jesus and are about his business. We give you thanks for prosperity and peace as you bless all the works of our hands and your instruction is a light unto our path so that we not stumble, Lord. We give you thanks for the blood of Jesus that saves, that heals, that delivers, that sets us free to serve you, Lord. We pray, Father, that you give us understanding. We welcome the ministry of your word and that your spirit might minister to our hearts and to our spirit, that we might be wholesome and whole and be part of that which addresses what's wrong in this world, the darkness that has overshadowed this generation, that they might see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our hearts and in our homes and in our priorities, Lord, and that you be exalted. Give us wisdom. And now in these days, in the midst of incredible darkness and foolishness, Lord, let your suns shine like stars in the firmament. We give you thanks for the prosperity of our lives as we walk in the instruction of your word. Give us sobriety and soberness to not be intoxicated with what's going on in these last days, O oh God. We pray that we would be about your concerns at the forefront of our hearts and our families. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. A lot of people have an issue with being able to see God and... It's not until you see God that you're able to see everything else because he exists for us to light, uh, walk in the light of his truth. Everything else is just a, just a big issue. And I want to start out with this issue and, and take it to heart for your personal life before you ship it out. Some people are generous with the word of God. That's what's wrong with this person. No, that's what's wrong with you. And as soon as you deal with you, then you'll be more effective in being able to deal with others. In Matthew 5, 8, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
This is the bottom line with respect to many in our generation who still uh, muddle and murk the waters. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of times when you're, when you're swimming in the ocean or at, on the lake or some scenario and you, you shake up and the dust come up, everything becomes dense and you're not able to see. But here, the issue is a heart issue. So everything that's taking place in our world that does not allow people to see God to acknowledge God, to respect God, to honor God, to serve God, is that there's issues in the heart, issues that are tugging our heart in other directions. And so it's important that you would, uh, you would concern yourself because that, that is what ultimately God will unveil. Um, I believe it's 1 Samuel 16, 7 that says that the man has the tendency to look at the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at their appearance, at their physical stature. There's many people here today that are well-dressed, well-intended. They've come to church. That's a big step. Many people don't even go to church no more. It's Sunday. They've brought their families to the house of God. And so on the outside, they look like they love God. They look like they're serving God. They look like they know God. They look like they're presenting their families before God. But uh, God tells Samuel, don't look at the outside because I have not received him. I refuse him. These are not what I intend to use. These are not reality's sake. Um, you could put a thousand people, and this is, this is true, and I, I say it often. Multiply a thousand of you and determine what type of church that would be. A church that would meet three times a year. Christmas, Easter, and maybe a wedding. That would be a lame church. Multiply a thousand of you and see them prostrate, serving their children instead of serving God. Serving their families instead of making a decision where Jesus, who's the head of his church, his parents were outside, his mom, his brothers and sisters, and he says, I must be about the Father's business. I'm doing the will of the Father. I'm not, I'm not about relatives and family members. They're good, but the priority to serve God is what God is calling us to do. And here again, God tells the prophet, don't look at their outside and their physical expression for I look a little bit further in and I've refused them. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For, the Lord look, uh, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The heart is the, the, the inner part of man. Uh, one person put it, it's, we're not talking about the vital organ or muscle that pumps blood throughout the body. Neither are we concerned about the poetic, romantic, philosophical, literary definitions of the heart uh, where we define our intentions above our actions. That we want to do things, but we never come around to doing them. When we're going to the heart of the matter is what God is seeing. What is the depth of the reality of our worship? What is the depth of the reality of our church? Who are the ones that are furthering the work of the Lord in the church? Who are the ones that are committed, not because somebody is looking at them, somebody is watching them, but because they live 
like it says in Matthew 5, 8, they're so pure in heart that they're seeing God in this matter. They're not walking according to the ways of man. They're not walking according to public opinion and popularity polls. They're walking before God. And these are those that really see God because it's the expression of every day in not intentions or appearances, but in outward conduct. Jeremiah 17, 9, we read it this week on Wednesday. There are people that do yoga three times a week. And if somebody's doing yoga three times a week and a Christian is doing Jesus Christ one time a week, I would say that he's more serious about his yoga than you are about your Christianity. There are some people that will take their children four times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then take them to a ball game on Saturday. And they're more serious about little league than you are about the big leagues in the Lord. And so this is where God is saying the heart is deceitful above all things. You think you're doing well. You intend to do well. You want to do well, but it's never forthcoming. It happens for a week or a spurt. But desperately wicked is the heart. Who can know it? Who is looking deep inside? Um, the popularity polls in, in, uh, in our country, they say that the two largest churches in America are found in Houston, Texas. The two largest churches, Christian churches in America, are found in Houston, Texas. And they have no influence because the mayor in that town is a lesbian, is a homosexual. She's leading the city. It's not the church. Well, it's because the church only has an appearance of faithfulness in worship. But when you see the statistics, only 20% of the church is actually doing something at church. 80% of the church, that means 8 out of 10 people do not serve do not give, are not involved. So here it is. Who, who really knows the depth of the heart of our generation? Look what it says in verse 10. It is God who tests the heart. It's the Lord who searches and knows the heart and tests the mind to give. The outward expression of what God bestows upon us is according to each man's ways, according to the fruit of what he does. A pastor, I'm going to start giving to the church. Pastor, I'm going to start being faithful with my tithe. Pastor, I'm going to be faithful in serving the Lord. I'm just trying to get things in order. And the truth of the matter is that the expression is an intent, a desire, a want, a willfulness that never comes to pass. And so when we're asking why, the question is, where is this being clogged up is in the heart. It's in the heart. It's a heart issue. And that's where God wants to uh, minister. God wants to break through the heart. In Acts chapter 1, I'm sorry, verse, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 37. When the Holy Spirit came and visited the church at its inception, they said when they heard what Peter was saying, they were cut to the heart. Our ministry has to be a ministry not of pep rally style where we go get t-shirts and put everybody with a world changing t-shirt and say we're going to change the world. It has to go further. It has to go into the heart. 
Uh, now that's the mystery of God. Only God has access to the heart according to your willingness to open up your heart. So he stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone opens up, he'll come in and have an intimate relationship with them. But too often, we have God outside. We have him as a, as a visitor or we are guests frequently in his heart, in his house. So there it is. When Peter spoke to them, they were cut to the heart. And when they were cut to the heart, they said to Peter and to the rest of his servants, what shall we do? That means up to now, we've just been hanging out. Up to now, we've just been listening. We've been spectating. Uh, America has that deficiency. We can fill stadiums of 80,000 people, and only 12 people are on the field playing. And we have all sorts of opinions. How many have ever commented on what a quarterback has done? He should have rolled to the right. And then you're like rolling on your seat to the right, and you're like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. You're telling him who's down there how to do it, and you're paying Monday night quarterback. Monday morning. Listen, I don't want to be that type of Christian. I don't want to be around that type of team. I want my sons to feel that they're in the heat. We're in the heat. They're with men that are in the heat. They're paying a price. They're bleeding. They're sweating. They got tears. It's paying a price. It's not easy. It's bring a sacrifice of praise. It's suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's endure hardship like a good soldier. All these terms are out in our modern day Christianity. We have made it so comfortable, but we haven't been cut to the heart to ask, what shall we do? And so this is the scenario in Proverbs 21 too. That everything that a man does is right in his own eyes. But the Lord is weighing the hearts. At the end of the day, the Lord is challenging the heart. And the heart is this. Ready for this? Are you obedient to your parents? Okay, pastor, you're meddling. You're coming into my personal life. Absolutely I am. Because that's an indication of where your heart is. Don't think for a second that if you fail to obey your parents that you're pleasing the Lord. Because the Lord says, if you honor your parents and obey them, you'll be blessed in everything you do and everything will go well with you. And if you withstand and defy and are, are and we're going to see this. We're going to see that there's natural expressions of the heart that determine where a man is. And I want to tell, I want to suggest something. If the Lord is coming to minister the heart and we harden our heart, and we resist the ministry of the Spirit of God that is a ministry to the heart of man that renders us nothing less than wicked. It's not like we're lazy. Uh, it might be the indication where Jesus says, you la lazy and wicked servant. It's a precursor maybe. But at the end of the day, when your heart is not moving in the direction of the Spirit of God, you're just downright wicked. You're not... You're not um, Somebody said, well, I'm just overlooking this. I, I, I didn't see it for what it is. No, no, no. If you resist the Spirit of God to not put into action what the Spirit of God cries out in the last days, then you, together with all men who resist the Spirit of the Lord, are wicked. And the, the judgment of God comes upon the wicked. 
And the work of foolishness, I bet you won't know what the work of foolishness is. Anybody want to try? The work of foolishness is wickedness. To be given over to much foolishness renders you to be put in the surrounding of wicked people. And so in the last days, all these people, and I want to suggest this, everyone who has an expression of unrighteousness in the last days is because they have a broken heart. And so the healing of the Spirit of God is to come and mend the broken heart. What for? So that it moves in the direction of obedience and fulfilling the righteousness of God before the coming of the Lord. And so he's ministering to our hearts. That's why we named this sermon world-changing healing of the broken heart. Because that's where it all goes wrong. Proverbs 3, 5 says like this, place your heart in the Lord's hand. In other words, put everything that's inside upon the Lord and don't lean on what you think and you feel and what you've gone through. If you're able to do that, if you're able to put your heart in God's hand and not lean on your own understanding because a broken heart in your own understanding will leave you distant from God, disconnected from God, walking in your own ways. And fulfilling your own path, like it says, every man thinks that his way is right in his own eyes. But the Lord, he goes over to the heart. So here it is. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean into your own understanding. Verse 6, if you do that, all, in all your ways, you line up with God, he will direct your steps. Letting your inside be poured out in God so that he might heal your heart and direct your path. You're going to be motivated. Um, one of the men that's been coming here for the last few months, his daughter says, why do you go there so often? He says, that is a place where Jesus healed my heart. And I want to be faithful to Jesus who healed my heart by serving him and loving him and being available for him. As soon as his heart was healed, his actions began to take the direction of God's path. And so that is why the ministry of God's word is so powerful in Hebrew 4.12. It doesn't come to put a little cold cloth on your forehead to alleviate your headache. The word of God comes as a double-edged sword, powerful and sharp, piercing all the way into dividing the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Listen, without the word of God, we could not have a ministry of reconciliation, of restoration. It's the word of God that unveils this stuff and when it's being unveiled and revealed, you move in the direction of the spirit of God. So here it is, the word of God is living, it's sharp. As you expose your life to the word of God, it begins to do an internal work inside of you. Things that man cannot do. I've had conversation with men, they say, Pastor, what do you suggest that I do? How can you help me? I said, I can't help you. This is, this is a deep surgery. And you cannot be a faithful servant of God. You cannot see God. There's no purity in your heart. 
There's a lot of things, there's issues in there. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says that, that it's out of the heart that flow the issues of life. So the Bible says, uh, make sure that you keep your heart with all diligence because out of it springs every issue of life. How you treat your wife is an issue of the heart. How you raise children is an issue of the heart. How you govern your family is an issue of the heart. How you attend to church, how you steward your finances. Where is it that, that your priorities lies in life? What is the pursuit? Um, some people say, well, I got to get to know myself. You're never going to get to know yourself until you allow the Word of God to examine your heart. And that's why David would say, Lord, examine me from head to tail, from head to foot. Find out what's my motivation. Why? Ask yourself this question. Why can't I be faithful to Jesus Christ? Why can I honor and serve him with excellence? Why can I surrender? We were talking about Abraham this week. When God confronts him, he just lays down on the ground on his face. A sign of total surrender. Why can't we? It's an issue of the heart. It's an issue that... You, you can appear however you want. You can pretend all you want. You can pose. You can fake it. But the Lord is looking for authenticity. The Lord is looking for the reality of who you are. And you cannot live this life being a poser all the time. It will be unveiled. James chapter 4 verse 12. The drawing near to God has to do with purifying our hearts and getting rid of double-mindedness in our thoughts. Let's go looking for it. Really important that you see that the duplicity, the duplicity of our worship and of our service is found in the issues, verse 8, I'm sorry, I said verse 12, James 4, 8. As we draw near to God, as the instruction says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. So we want to do one thing, we end up doing another. We, we want the favor of God, we want to go on the rapture, we want to be part of the church, we want to be numbered as one of His, but all our actions are in an opposite direction. That, that is huge. This is huge. There it is again. Since there's clutter in the heart, that causes double-mindedness. Pastor, I'm a world changer, pastor. Pastor, I'm on the team, pastor. And then all of a sudden, your actions are totally in an opposite direction. And this is what he was saying to the people in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, where he says like this, These people draw near to me with their mouths and their words, Inasmuch as these people draw near with me and their mouth are saying amen, glory to God, they honor me with their lips but have removed their hearts from me. And their fear, what they pretend to be reverence, is just taught by the culture of men. There, there's, there's a semblance of, of what man 
if, if you go to church, if you sit down, if you sing, if you attend Bible study, all, all those are the teaching of men. That makes you a real powerful world changer. And then what God is looking at is, is something a little bit more serious than that. So he says these guys apparently and outwardly are on the team. But go, go ask them for sacrifice and, and serious dedication. You're not going to find it. They're, they're going with the culture, but they're not going with God. So this makes for, Matthew 24, 11, this makes for uh, a generation and a culture of deception. That means one thing is what men say, and another thing is what they do. They say they love God, but you go check their bank account, and this is what their dedication in regards to financial, you know, commitment is. Zero. These, there'll be many faults. Leaders will rise up and deceive many. Verse 12. This will cause the heart of many to grow cold. Because of this out of controlness, because of lawlessness, people living outside the boundaries of true authenticity, and it will abound, it won't just be one. What I'm describing today represents the large majority of Christians. They have an outward appearance, an outward hallelujah and praise the Lord, but when it comes down to down to down, their heart is not married to Christ's convictions and character. So the love of many will grow cold. There is no uh, depth in their, uh, in their heart with regards to their heart. The love of many, the hearts of many will grow cold. Indifferent is the word, apathetic. And so here the Lord says that he's looking for people that will be able to walk after God's heart. And this is what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.5. He says, this is the bullseye that we're able to love out of a pure heart. Well, our Christianity is if we're not living a life of love that issues from a pure heart, where our thoughts are healed. There's no issues. Uh, all the complexes that fight for the heart um, are the heartstrings. And they pull you out of God's purpose. They pull you out of God's will. They pull you out of God's uh, priority. But if you have a pure conscience, that allows you to have authentic faith, sincere. It's not manipulated. It's not fabricated. We talked about that on Wednesday if you were here. God is telling Abraham, quit manufacturing the appearance that you are walking in my ways. I want you to have as a goal that you're keeping the order of my instruction out of love, a pure heart, a good conscience, ending up in authentic faith. You're not living for man's priority. 1 Samuel 2.35, he says, I will raise up leaders who will who shall do according to what is my, in my heart. This is where it all issues forth. Um, a lot of people says, well, if God is invisible, if God doesn't have a body, uh, does he have a heart? And here he says, I will raise up for myself faithful leaders who shall do according to what is in my heart. I will build him a sure house. He shall walk before me anointed forever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise up a man after my own heart. That's what he told uh, the people when he chose David. David was not committed to God because of a religious system. He wasn't committed to God because uh, there was something to be gained of it. 
benefited. He was coming to say, God, what can I do to please you? How could I bring pleasure to your heart? Not what can you do for me? And that is having a heart after God's heart. Jeremiah 3.15 says, I'm going to give you leaders according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Um, there are a lot of leaders that will tell you how to live life to make the church better, how to make their life better. To, today what we're talking about is that God is wanting you to present yourself, yourself, obviously follows, your family will follow your lead, your wife, and then your children will follow your lead. But there's no way your children go where you don't want to go or where your lead is not. I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. That knowledge and understanding is from the Lord. Now, uh, as we're talking about this, the reason is, is because we're expected to go out there and be leaders and be light and bring conviction in a world that has turned their back on God. They don't, they don't even know why God is important. And they don't know why God is important because we, in our hearts, have rendered this indifferently. We're not, we're not, we're not moving. We're not progressing. Let's, let's watch what Jesus says in Matthew 15, 7. He was talking to the people of his day, and he agreed. He says it was, Jer uh, Isaiah was right when he wrote these words. You guys are having an appearance. The word hypocrite is... Uh, the name that was given to the celebrities in Greek times, they would wear a mask, and the mask had an expression, but the inside was the reality. So he's saying, you guys outwardly show yourself to be presenting, but inwardly, Isaiah was right when he said this about you, verse 8, these people draw near to me with their mouth. They say they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. A surrendered heart is what we're talking about today. And so people like David who understood these issues in Psalm 51.10, this is how we resolve this when we come before God and say these words. Lord, create in me a new heart. Create in me, Lord, a steadfast spirit. The inner man. The inner man. What is, who is diagnosing what's happening on the inside? And that's what David knew, that the whole issue lied. It wasn't in his outwardness. This is when David had let the Lord down and got into an adulterous affair and killed a man and lied and manipulated and was doing all sorts of things. He knew that the root of the issue was not the church. The root of the issue was not the leadership, was not the ministry. It was his heart. In Psalm 27, I'm sorry, 26 verse 2. These are the prayers that David would pray. Examine me, Lord, and prove me and try my mind and my heart. Verse 3. See if there's any deceitful way. 
For your loving kindness is before my eyes and I have walked in your truth. I want to be serious and real with God. A lot of people are putting on a, 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 a puppy show. Psalm 44 verse 21. If I put on a show, if I was putting on a circus, if I was doing what clowns do, they entertain. Psalm 44 verse 21. Would not God search this out? Would not God find out what my true devotion was? For he knows the secrets of the heart. He knows how to look inside. I love this verse that I found in 1 Corinthians 14.25. Legitimate ministry is the ministry that's able to cut past all the appearance and get to the heart. Cut past all the, 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 you know, the, the outside stuff. A man is always doing a show. But look what the ministry of the Spirit of God is in 1 Corinthians 14, 25. He says, when this man comes from outside, this guy who's out there in the world, you guys know what the world is. Nobody knows their hearts. Their wives don't know their hearts. Their moms don't know their hearts. Their families don't know their hearts. Their employees their co-workers, nobody knows their heart. But when they come in, he says, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. When that guy comes in here, and all of a sudden, and we're not talking about what he's showing. Oh, I'm a millionaire. I drive a good car. I have a, these aren't the issues. The issue is what is in the heart. And he says, when his heart is revealed, he falls on his face, and he will worship God and report God is really here. These people are not, this is not about a ministry. This is not about a church. This is about God opening up open heart surgery, the hearts of men, so those things will be healed. Why? Because God is concerned. All those things, and, and, and for all of us, it's something different. If we were to sit there and start from Ariel and end up all the way back there with Michael, all the heart issues are different. But in God's presence, they're revealed. And when they're revealed, then people say, okay, this is not a front. This God is here. And he's dealing with the issues of the heart. He's not interested in people putting on makeup and wearing nice clothes and pretending. He's interested in going deep and not only here in his house, but out there. Out there where people are not being real. All the, the majority of uh, the issues of our day springs out of the heart of man and they're resolved in the presence of God because he has come to heal the brokenhearted. He's come to minister to the heart of men so that they move in the righteousness of God. And so as they come in here and they're their hearts are revealed, they will say, they will fall to their face, they will worship God, and they will say, truly, God is among you. God is among you. I just had a meeting with a young man, and, and I sit down with him, and I said, wait, wait, don't tell me anything. This is what God says. You need to be faithful in your walk with God. You need to be faithful in your finances, and you need to be committed to a cause greater than yourself. Otherwise, you're lacking a major component of the life of man. And you'll never, you'll be a wanderer and a gypsy the rest of your life. You'll be a nomad. You won't ever be part of family. You won't be able to have a, a serious ministry. You're just going to be a wanderer. That's what the devil wants. And it all emanates from a broken heart. Broken heart leads to depression. Depression leads to isolation. 
And isolation is, God, is the devil's game plan for destruction. And so you'll see that the heart is the issue. Malachi chapter 4 verse 6, the last verse in the Old Testament, he says, unless the hearts of fathers are healed, unless the hearts of sons are healed, there'll be great chaos and confusion upon the earth. What is going on upon the earth today, the great unrest is the broken heart of men. It's the broken, uh, the, 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 the things that have befallen men. He will turn the hearts of fathers so they get on the same page with their children. What does a father want his child to be? One thing, obedient. Because if he's obedient, the rest of his life will prosper. What does a, a father not want his son to be? Disobedient. Why? Because the rest of his life will be destruction. That's clearly placed in the word of God. So for a father's heart to line up with his children is a desire that they might be obedient. A father who could care less, a father who sees a son being disobedient, knowing he's headed for destruction, cannot rejoice. Cannot, you know, wave him on and, and applaud his efforts. He should be sad. And the hearts of children towards their father. What, what should a child desire from his father? That he would have excellent, authentic worship before God. Because the blessings that come down from a man who fears the Lord is in Psalm 112, verse 1. It says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. His descendants after him, he delights greatly in his command. He fears God. He delights in his command. He keeps God's word. Verse 2, his descendants will be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. So what does a child want of his father? To be an authentic worshiper, a real Christian. A man of God. When we meet here on Monday nights with the men, I'll bring the sons up and I'll say, what do you guys want from your fathers? We want them to stop being cowards. We want them to stop being posers. We want them to stop being prolonged in their adolescence. We don't want them to be children no more. We want them to grow up. And so that is the heart of young people today. We want a generation of men before us that will give us footprints and lead us. But that's a matter of the heart. Chapter 2, I mean 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. The last days will be perilous times. Why will it be perilous times? Why will they be dangerous times? Because men will no longer allow anyone to deal with their heart issues. This is called a selfish man. Verse 2. Because man will be lover of self. Lover of themselves. They're not serving anybody. They don't care about anybody. They're, they're living on selfish, hyper-selfish on steroids. That's, that's a heart issue. What are the heart issues? Lovers of money. If you're not able to use your money to further the kingdom of God, it's not an economic issue. It's a heart issue. You cannot see God. You cannot see the blessing of God. You're a lover of money. You're a boaster. You're proud. You're a blasphemer. All these attitudes against God are heart issues. Listen to this. Disobedient to parents. Where does the problem lie? In the heart. They're unresolved issues. They're bent on disobedience. Unthankful. Unholy. Verse 3. All the lewd issues. Unloving. Unforgiving. Slanderers. Without self-control. Brutal. 
despisers of things that are good. Verse 4. Traitors. You see somebody who's unloyal? Headstrong. The, the, the advice is sit down with five people you respect and you honor, that you know are not playing with God, and find out if what you're doing lines up with their counsel. What happens when it doesn't? You know you're headed for uh, some serious turbulence. Your life is not going to turn out the way you perceive it to be. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, our instruction here is that we're not to be a part of this. Verse 5, having a form, their appearance is, I'm Christian, everything's okay, I'm, you know, on the outside. But denying its power to reveal the inside from such people, turn away. Have nothing to do with that. Um, the Lord wants authenticity. We're not to parade with appearance. Chapter 34, verse 18, what's the Bible say about God in respect to people with a twisted heart? He desires to heal this broken heart. He says God is near to the brokenhearted. Psalm 34, 18. And he wants to deliver those that humble their spirits before him. He wants to bind the wounded hearts Isaiah 61, 1, it says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has given me provision to preach good news to the poor and has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty. When those people are brokenhearted, they're slaves to their emotions, they're slaves to their sentiments, they're slaves to their sadness, to their depression. But he wants to open the prison gates to those who are bound. He wants to issue in his provision. Now, somebody set on that regard. This is what Jesus says. And, and, and this is the only response that could be given. Matthew 20, uh, 12, 34. He says, they're a brood of vipers. What's that mean? Here, God has come to heal. God has come to set free. God has come to minister to the heart, but they continue to engage in that which is not from the Lord. So Matthew 12, 34 says, brood of vipers, how can you, how can you, being evil, speak anything good? Because everything starts from the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 35, a good man out of the treasure, the good treasure of his heart, will bring forth good things. But the evil man, out of the evil treasures, what he's treasured in his heart, will bring forth evil things. Verse 36, I say to you that every idle word men speak, they will give an account to God in the day of judgment. Verse 37, because of your words, you'll be right with God or you will be condemned before God. I just want to say that as we proceed in the coming days, opening up our hearts to God so that he might conduct his affairs um, will allow you to escape 
and to be a part of his work upon the earth. Proverbs 22, 11. It's those who desire the purity of heart, the transparency, the reality of what's in here, and to be able to express gracious gratitude. A healed heart heals words and makes you a friend of the king. Let's stand. Let's stand this morning. Ask the musicians to come forward. A pure heart will heal the words that come out of your mouth. Resentment, bitterness, blasphemy, disobedience. Ask God to create in you a pure heart. A heart that's loyal to him. Because when you do, let's put that proverb up there one more time. This, the king will be the friend of a man who has a true heart, a pure heart, and has words that are favorable in his mouth. And that, that, my friend, tells me that you're ready at the Lord's return. When you're a friend of the Lord. We're going to, I don't know if you guys have that song, I am a friend of God. You got that? Huh? Oh, you played it this morning? Look at that. We're going to play it again. This is what the Lord wants to do. He wants to mend your hearts. And, and, you know, if you're a wife out there and have issues, it's not your husband. Don't, don't allow corrupt heart. Say, no, my husband has infected and embittered my heart. No. Ask God to heal so that you are a, an expression of fret, refreshing water. Not bitterness, not resentment, not unforgiveness, not all the brouhaha that goes on but that you be an expression of having a pure heart before the Lord and not an appearance of religiousness. You raise up your hands to the heavens and pray with me as we are before the Lord in the house of the Lord. From Ariel to Michael, we said there's heart issues. Out of the issues of the heart, it says guard your heart because out of it springs the issues of life. And Lord, there's so much that has infected and affected our hearts that many times it's difficult to come before you with transparency. But we're led by your word this morning. We're led by the instruction of your word, anointed by your spirit, delivered, O God, with clarity so that you, the marvelous surgeon, who's able to take out a heart of stone and put one of flesh, one that is responsive, one that not feels but does the will of God, one who not desires but fulfills in righteous acts righteous heart feelings. Allow us to be faithful as we present our lives before you, our marriages, our finances, our walk in our faith, our worship, Lord. Let it not be hollow. Let it not be fake. Let it not be a strange, yes. foreigner, yes. distant, disconnected, where we bless you with our lips and with our mouths, but our hearts are far from you. Today you have examined us. Today you know our heart and you know our thoughts, and we present them before you that you might heal them so that we're pure in heart and pure with our hands, that our lives would be pleasing to you, that we would be friends of the King of glory. That we would be transparent in our friendship. In our connection. 
Father, and in these last days, the Bible says that many shall depart. There'll be a great falling away because the heart of men will want to mount up teachers to hear things that will tickle their itching ears, Lord. But you speak to us as sons. You speak to us forthrightly and openly. And we pray, Father God, that our hearts might be whole and that we might be able to minister to the broken hearts in this world in our generation. We give you thanks for your Holy Spirit. We give you thanks for revealing to us today so that we might approach you with circumcised hearts. Circumcision of the heart, Lord, that only your hand can do. Spirit of God, move upon each person, each man, each woman, each young person, each child, that they might be able to present themselves being obedient to their parents, being loving to God, being surrendered. We pray in Jesus' name, and the house of God says amen, amen.